We are the ink to the page, Japan land the punch. On a mana peel, boom pal, we got the stuff. We know they got story, been new, they got hard complex narratives and black carries. Tell me where they see us. Where I see us, where, where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me where they read us, not they wanna be us. At the damn cage, like a nigga from Georgia, insane and out the brain and lacking in origin. At flashbacks and shots to the system, downloading new issues and sitting for a listen. Where I see us, where I see us, they wanna be us. But tell me where they read us, now they wanna be us. They wanna be us. They, they, they wanna be us. Where I see us. Where I see us. Where I see us. Where all the black people at? Where I see us. Where I see us. Welcome back to another episode of Where I See Me, the podcast where we look at comics and media with lots of questions in mind, mainly where the hell are all the black and brown people? So I am Jamie. And I am Marcellus. And we're back for another episode. We're really excited to be here with you all today. Marcellus, how have you been doing? How are you faring in the northern weather? Um, You know, I feel like I'm doing the best I can, and that's really all I can ask out of myself. Because I, I am, you know, the semester, spring semester, starting back up, um, spring nowhere to be seen, really. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I remember the second week going back into teaching, when I'm getting all my, you know, my ducks in a row, getting situated, especially with you know, us starting new season and everything. I had the energy. I was ready for it. Um, it's it decided to snow one day, and it kicked me on uh, on my rear end. I had to stay home. My body <laughs> felt so crazy in the morning, going from I want to say fifty, sixty to like twenty, barely. Um, yeah, no, it was. I couldn't do it. I I woke up like. Uh, Jack Nicholson in The Shining. I had to take a take a day off. Um, it's it's real snow out here. <laughs> I don't I don't even know how like I don't know like because because like if you have issues with joints and like mobility in your body, mm-hmm. I would imagine the cold's not good for that. I don't know. Oh no, no, it is. <laughs> I would uh, dare to say it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh no, but I, I try to I try to do what I can. Um I appreciate Pennsylvania for keeping me on my toes. Uh but there's only so much uh someone of my complexion can take. <laughs> <laughs> how how have you been? I I am doing I am doing um you know, the first week of classes, ha- the, the second week of classes has passed as we're recording this, and mm-hmm. I definitely feel like I had been drugged through the week, no. um, and drugged as in like someone dragging me through the week. Um, the time is moving really fast. The month is almost up, <laughs> and I'm just kind of, you know, uh, like where, you know, what what is time, really? What is, I don't, I don't really understand Racist. what time is. Time is ready. <laughs> you know, I said that once in a class and the students, they all looked at me like, what? <laughs> they weren't expecting me to say it. But when I explained it to them, they're like, oh, okay, yeah. 
But they were just like, what? That was real out of, we we're like, that was real out of pocket. We weren't expecting you to say that. <laughs> you had to, you had to liberate them to the truth. But it is, I mean, time is racist though. Like it really is. It, if you really think about like the eight hour work day, the fact that children have to wake up so early to go to school, like all of that stuff, like we don't all have the same amount of time. We don't all, time is not it's not equal it's the way that time gets to be used um who can make time who can't make time like all that kind of stuff so if you really think about it like there is a racialized component to time and there's lots of people on the internet talking about that so you should definitely y'all should look into that but what what are we talking about today marcellus so i feel like especially with the award season mm. coming up and people looking at all the movies from the last year, um, it would be nice to have a conversation about Hollywood's favorite thing to do, the biopic. <laughs> take take people's traumas and lives and make a little money out of it. Yep. Uh, specifically, I think there's a lot of well-known or foolishly made biopics centered around black celebrities Mm -hmm. and even sometimes just black people who Mm -hmm. (laughs) enough things happen to them that i feel like there's a a writer's room or executive producers uh meeting people are just seeing dollar signs Mm -hmm. um it's hard to say if this year in particular had an excessive amount of biopics because there were across the board quite a quite a few <laughs> yeah and you know there were i hulu is doing this thing where now they're doing like these celebrity um driven like series mm-hmm. so they did like pam and tommy which i watched that while i was away at a, at a residency like this because i have a tv in my room it was real it was real outdoors roughing it tech residency out there uh, out there but we had wi-fi i made sure i use that um <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need to, I need a residency where I don't, where I have Wi-Fi. Um, I, they had Pam and Tommy. They had um, Mike Tyson. They had his oh, yeah. like biopic series, and these are all like limited series. And then the most recent one they did was, um, what was it called? Welcome to Chippendales. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The most recent one, which that I mean, all of them are really interesting. Um, very dramatic. Um, you know, part of me is like, did all these things really happen? Uh, especially the Pam and Tommy one, because I was like, Tommy Lee, Tommy, not Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy, what was Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones? <laughs> I just, you know, when you say Tommy, I think Tommy Lee Jones. That's what, <laughs> I even though that's not that man's name. That's, that's the only other Tommy, other than Tommy Davidson, that I feel like black people know. Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> He's an angry white man in every movie who's like just mean enough for you not to call him, but not mean enough to make you go home. He was he was in Motley Crue. I don't remember his full name, but I I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Tommy. Tommy Lee. It's just Tommy Lee. I just Tommy. added the Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I just added the Jones on there because it felt like it needed it. 
<laughs> you made him a you made him a member of the MIB. Real I quick. did, I did. Um, but yeah, he's to your crazy. point, he's he crazy. He was wild. It's, it's in the in the the show. They definitely made him out to be really like just out there, like pulling guns on people, just real, just real hoodlum behavior, real hoodlum behavior. And I was like, oh, this is this is, is this what rock stars do? I, I mean, guess. I don't know. I guess I don't know. But to your point, yes, there were <laughs> there were a lot of um, these like kind of biopic. Either movies, Elvis Presley got a biopic movie, which... I refuse to see that film. I didn't watch it either. And now they're saying the little boy, what's his name? Austin Butler. His voice is like stuck. Like they're like, why is he still doing an Elvis impression? Even though the movie is over. Like they're saying now like he damaged his vocal vocal cords and that he's kind of like stuck like that now. Like that's what one of the headlines was saying. That's why you that don't is. do you don't do anything involving Elvis. He curses you when you do when you do stuff with him. There's I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure uh, there's a curse on on that man and his family. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> Michael Jackson's words, not mine. Which you know that's a biopic I've never seen. The Jacksons, Who an American could? American family. Who could do that without I... getting sued? <laughs> <laughs> I well no they had like they had the show I think they had it Angela Bassett played their mom oh, who played right. who played oh I think Lawrence Fishburne they always got Lawrence Fishburne playing some mean man you're right because it, it was the movie where her um Kiki Palmer does her impression of mm-hmm. of, uh, of her from that movie I don't want you I don't want you I don't want you yes <laughs> Um, that one I've never seen it. That that one's a popular one, I think. And like and Jackson Black- Five. Yeah, Specific I never got to see it. Goodness, I, 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 there's just there's been a lot this year. I think every year something comes out. I know I don't remember if um, I'm trying to recall which ones were specifically this year because I know we had King Richard as well and we had right. um, I Want to Dance with Somebody might have just, just come out so I think mm-hmm. that's, that's quite literally 2023 not uh, the past year um, but there's so many and I feel like they end up being movies that get made because people the names that they focus on are money makers or mm-hmm. people want Oscars for right. being able to like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you really disappeared into the role of Mike Tyson. <laughs> you know what I found out though about because I know Mike Tyson was trying to get a movie with Jamie Foxx playing him for like Ooh. decades. Uh-huh. Cause his impression is pretty good. He's pretty respectful of their their friends to whatever degree. Um they didn't really make this series that has come out um, consulting him. Really? They're, they're, they didn't really, he wasn't really a part of this to to the level, I think the same level that um, Pamela Anderson wasn't really involved with the uh, Pam and Tommy. There's just a lot, there's certain aspects of it that are embellishments, maybe not mm-hmm. in the way that he would have wanted. And there's already stuff that, you know, maybe he said in interviews and things that are known to be true, but mm-hmm. they didn't really come to him and allow him to be part of that process. And I, f- 
I feel like there are a lot of biopics that do this, or the yes. person is either out of the public eye or no longer with us. And so mm-hmm. people don't really get to <laughs> put input into what their story really is. Because there's no, I mean, film isn't truth, but it's persuasive. You know, I, and you know, the, I was talking to someone the other day and was talking about like how in in the U.S. we treat Hollywood media as if it is the, a teaching device. Mm-hmm. Um, and people people do take that as the as an education when they're watching mm-hmm. stuff versus it being entertainment. And I think you have to kind of like tread lightly with that because some stuff is not <laughs> some stuff is like we, we don't we don't need to be um, emulating this. Um, or if the lesson is what did what terrible decisions did these people make so we could not make them not go out and do them. Um, but you brought that up and it made me think about the Marilyn Monroe bio oh. thing that came out with Anna the Arm Anna the Armas um, called Blonde. People were saying I remember watching a review that someone um, like one of those video essays that someone made on um, YouTube about it, and the yeah. person was saying that they felt like the director just hated Marilyn Monroe and wanted to make this as a way to like kind of punish the ghost of Marilyn Monroe in some ways like you know she was I guess was a she was a tragic figure in some ways but like she wasn't yeah. completely I don't know her whole life wasn't just trauma at least I don't I don't know enough about Marilyn Monroe's life like that to she say. she at least was a a, a person I think right. who had more to her than just the the bad things that happened around and to her mm-hmm and it's it's hard to see a film like that where you could say on a technical aspect some of it's really you know stunning or even just the them casting her so well mm-hmm. and then proceeding to sort of like trample on her and yeah. critique her in a context that makes it hard to empathize with the perspective that they're giving. Um, there was even like wasn't it like this weird like pro um pro life yeah a, life her like part unborn the- baby speaks to her it's very guilt trippy on and i don't even know if that aspect of her life is true i don't think it is she lost a child um because of her actions in some way it I, I, there are many movies that have come out this year that are questionable. I would say Blonde, um, the Elvis movie, uh, and though I haven't seen it yet, um, I am curious to see what the um, I Want to Dance with Somebody hmm. movie is like because there are a lot of people in Hollywood involved in these celebrities' lives who you know, whether they they take responsibility or not, like part of their downfall is the support system not being there or right. like the nature of, of, uh, of fame. So it, it is sad to see people's stories be turned into like, I don't know, it's... what, what There was a term used about uh, slavery films in Hollywood. And I can't remember what it was. It was like... What was it? Was it a recent term? 
I feel like I've heard it tossed around in the past like decade or so where it was like centered on the idea of guilt. Slave master guilt? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Cause there's just like this, this, I think similar to when horror is overly grotesque for the sake of people having like a certain stimulation, people call it like torture porn. Um, oh, I feel like there's a similar thing for like a guilt, whether it's like white guilt for for racist things happening in movies, mm-hmm. or for people who you know, like let's say in the case of the you know the the blonde film, um, the idea of seeing a woman sort of being whether I guess by uh, by the story or like the 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 writer, director, seeing this woman kind of live this tortured life. It's like, oh man, I'm glad I haven't lived this horrible life without giving them room to be fully themselves. Or just seeing, I think, the worst in someone's path just so you can feel grateful or feel like maybe you, you, oh, I could, oh, I'm glad I could do better. It's hard to it's hard to imagine certain films existing today, like some of the more accurate, I think, or more helpful films, even if they're not fully um, true. Like I don't know if there's any biopics that you remember watching growing up. Um, what's love got to do with it? The Tina Turner and Ike Turner story. Um, that that one and you know it's such an iconic movie within mm-hmm. like black the black community and yet you know somebody was i think there was a it was a tweet they were like we have been making light of tina turner's abuse at the hands of ike turner for decades yeah. and you know it's no wonder she doesn't mess with us anymore because of how you know people treat that scene like even you know the the I mean I've even used this meme uh, the meme of Ike Turner where he like it, but it's not Ike Turner it's it's Lawrence Fishburne as Ike Turner again mm-hmm. another mean man they had played another mean man uh, <laughs> I was like why don't they give Lawrence Fishburne roles where he can like be nice I'm sure he has I just don't know any of them at the moment but Boy, another, Boys in the Hood is the only one I could think of. Yeah. Oh, and then wasn't he? He was he in higher learning? I think he was. I think he was. He was a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. So they they it was like good because don't ha- keep ha- having him play the, the mean husband. Like that's just mm-hmm. you can't <sighs> after a while. But all that to say, you know that movie. There are some really iconic like moments in it. There's like the moment when they're fighting in the. Um, and the limousine, I don't know. For, have you you've seen it before? Not in its entirety, but I, I'm at least uh. familiar with enough of it. Right, because, I mean, the clips resurface on the internet all the time. And then people reenact them, constantly. too. Constantly reenacting the, the scenes. Um, but there's, like, the scene, the, the that's where the movie kind of takes this turn, where she's, like, now she's fighting back like they're like before it was him hitting her and her just constantly kind of shrinking and like just trying to make herself smaller so as to not you know be hit by him or like to just hope like hoping that the this moment will pass but mm-hmm. in the limo she that's when she she finally like is like no nah, i've had enough like you gonna i'm gonna get my legs back um 
But her, but her, that, her biopic, I think is probably one of the most iconic in the black community. I'm trying to think if there are other ones. I mean, the five heartbeats, uh, which is supposed to be based off of the temptation. Yeah. It's like, it's the close. I feel like it has to be. It's so close. Like, it's like the idea that the sort of like, ain't no one coming to see you, Otis, (laughs) is not something that the five heartbeats embodies to its core. (laughs) Um, The Five Heartbeats, I would say, is definitely one of those films where it's, I would count it. Low key. Um, The the Five Heartbeats, um, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, the Frankie Frankie Linen story where he had all the wives and they were all fighting about who's Mrs. Frankie Linen. I saw it years ago. It's been a very, very long time. But I would say that, you know, all of the black biopics. Oh, and you know what? I'm th- we're we're thinking, or maybe I don't know. You were probably already thinking this, but I'm like I'm thinking about Hollywood and celebrity biopics. But then, of course, mm-hmm. there's always the ones like, um, that like Chadwick Boseman did, like the Third Good Marshall and mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson. Just, yeah, the more his- yeah, the more historical ones that are kind of, the, which those are or do serve as like kind of educational movies, so that people get a sense of of what their life was like it's hard though because i feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes for the sake of dramatization they that's where you get into like the it's like the slavery or they Mm -hmm. fix specific eras like selma was interesting i saw that in high school Mm -hmm. i walked i walked all the way from my house to the theater to go see selma on a weekend um, this was back when I used to wear like these fake glasses that looked like Malcolm X, uh, Malcolm X's glasses. I was very, I was watching some of his speeches mm-hmm. on the YouTubes. Um, I had seen the, the, I think it was what Spike Lee did the Malcolm X biopic. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in the literature of brother Malcolm and I went and saw that movie and it's hard to see, I think, films that want to be educational, but they want you to see specific sides of figures. Because if you mm-hmm. if you had to cram a whole person into a movie that wasn't just a documentary, I think you'd, you'd potentially fail. There's a lot of films that can do it well, but I don't know. There's definitely things that things uh, these different productions will omit. Right. Because it just doesn't serve the audience they want to hit or they can't bring it to light if they want to be able to maintain like the the believed image of a public figure. Like trying to say that mm-hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. was not in some uh, some sense militant even near the end of his sort of career or even the the sort of more um like anti-capitalist mm-hmm. nature of his sermons that doesn't get brought up in selma like selma starts off with uh one of the bombings of a church in uh i believe it was alabama um montgomery i believe alabama and it's a very dramatic movie in that sense where there's a lot of there's danger and there's stakes 
and we leave the movie feeling like, ah, oh, I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he he stood up. Like there were two old <laughs> older white women when I was in the movie uh, afterwards that told me. No. Because um, Ma- Malcolm X is in the movie for a small second. They're like, you look like Malcolm X. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they were, they were like, we're, we were so happy we saw this movie. You know, what? We've come such a long way. It was like very awkward because <laughs> it was like they just saw a black team oh and went, God. let's. Let's impart our opinions and feelings to this young man. They're like, we uh, want, want you to know how sorry we are about white people. That's 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 what, that's that, what that was. was. They were they were that was their that was their girls' day. The two of them came out. I'm pretty sure probably go see that movie. Be like, I'm glad I wasn't in that crowd. I swear. Yeah, you know when you were talking, it made me think about the fact that the Emmett Till. Oh. biopic came out last year i oh. i have no intentions of seeing that or going to see it at all because it's just like you know here's the here's the thing mm. like because really you have your biopics and you have documentaries and i feel like i'd rather watch a documentary about emmett till than a biopic right because i don't need to see them torture that poor little boy and tie a cotton gin around his neck and throw him in the river I don't need to see that. Right. Um, Reading about it, hearing about it, like for me, like my mind is active enough that I, you know, that kind of secondary um, or even maybe tertiary kind of trauma of it is, is, you know, I can process that better Mm-hmm. versus you know watching a a biopic that's supposed to be about his life and we're actively seeing the things mind you i didn't see like i said i didn't see the emmett till one i'm no, i have no intentions of seeing it um and the person who made it i think is is west african i think is yeah, is nigerian she, so she had directed um and i'm failing on her name uh but i had i've I've seen one of her first movies before. Like when I, I went to New York a couple of years ago and I saw a film she did called um, Clemency. I've heard of that. You've told, you've talked about it before. I love that movie. It was definitely a darker film about Clemency. And she, she's a great director. So I was surprised that she was behind Till because that feels like a movie that... I feel like you pull short straws to to produce because like I mean like you're saying there's no who wants to see this little boy's lowest moment I know like the end of his life be drawn out and you know dramatized and I think some people see it as well it's getting out there there are people who like you know the, the younger generation who are so distanced and desensitized that maybe it's for them, but I don't know. That argument's so hard for me to. I don't to think f- it works the way it they think. Really, that it's not working the way they think it is. Um, the director is 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 cheap. My my Nigerian our Nigerian listeners, please forgive me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, her the, her last name is Chu Chukwu. Um, but first name is Chinonyi, Chinonyi, Chinonye, Chinonye Chukwu. 
is the director for Till. Um, Whoopi Goldberg is one of the producers. No, that's what I'm saying. Like the the director definitely had people behind her. They've been trying to get this movie made for a long time, and they she got tapped in. Um, I have no doubts that it's a good movie mm-hmm. in execution, and I'm sure it's also nuanced considering her it's, other work. But it's just I don't I know. know. It seems it's again like trying to capitalize. On, on a trauma on yeah. like a and like his his murder is like the watershed moment for the civil rights movement because mm-hmm. before you know we have emancipation emancipation and there's this brief moment before reconstruction where black people are starting to kind of you know some people are getting like being elected to offices and like or have a little bit of mobility like a little bit but that quickly becomes undone when, you know, you have like working class white people who are watching these these groups of people who were formerly enslaved pull themselves up and they're like, absolutely not. We can't. No, we don't want this happening. And so from there on, you have this terrorism that happens throughout the southern United States, throughout the United States, because there were active mem- active chapters of the Klan throughout the U.S., mm. even like in like wa- as far as north as like Washington I think, you know, so it wasn't just solely in the South, but people did, you know, flee North, the Great Migration, all of that. But you have, you know, that those early years in the 1900s where it was just people were dying like left and right and fleeing for their lives out of the South. Um, And so I forgot my original point in bringing that up. I I don't know where I was going with it. Well, I I do feel like there's, at least to to what you were saying, right? There's mm. this history that exists within the world of every film, and it's not some imaginary world. It's like right. <laughs> it's, and it's the backstory to to the your neighbors, your you know maybe your family members. The and I I think that uh, I I remember now because I was saying it was the watershed moment, but like you know all of that stuff happened. Like there was this wasn't just like all of a sudden this little boy is lynched. There are all these, you know, you have Reese Taylor, who was um, gang raped by a group of men. You have Ruby McCullough, who shot her doctor in Florida because he was, you know, uh, assaulting her and had it. She had a child by him. You had all these other things that were happening. Right. And I think that you won't get that sense from a motion picture. Right, because no. the motion picture is character driven and it's focused on this one particular moment in time, and even though it's a biopic, people will still, you know, people will still look at it as this is the education, and could come away thinking like only this this happened at this specific moment in time, like out of nowhere, and that's just not this is this is not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, mind you, of course, I have not seen the movie. I have no intentions of seeing it. Um, I'm pretty maybe she maybe she handled it in a way you know that works. It seems to be framed around Mamie Till a lot. Like, I, I think that's how they save it from being gratuitous. Um, but it's even in even in that sense, if there's a way to avoid aspects of the trauma and it's more like delving into grief and and the the political climate and how how they organized, you still then have this weird valley where if we're looking at it from like okay let's say it was present day 
you know, or I guess not present day. Mm-hmm. We, we transport back to the time period when it happens. Half of the the risk in, or even I think the the more news heavy uh, aspect of, of his story is the fact that his mom decided to have an open casket. Right. Which was the sort of trigger for it being caught up and there being pictures like it would have been one of many unfortunate and tragic cases had she not decided to be very loud about it. Yeah. I mean, they, they took her baby, you know, and it's just like, he was what, like 12, 13. Yeah. I it's believe it was like, 13. He's just a little boy. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, you know, in, in that case, framing it around Mamie, saves it but it also make brings me back to i don't know if you remember this um what was that artist's name was it dana her first name was dana i don't remember her last name and i don't want to say out of uh miss miss spreading misinformation but um it was the whitney biannual several years ago and there was a white artist who painted emmett till's open casket and I... but- <laughs> You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, and the painting, you know, she's done like this real kind of impressionistic kind of stuff on his face. And it's just like people were outraged because it's like, here you are re-traumatizing people with this work. And you had artists who signed a letter of support for her because they felt like pulling it from the biennial was censorship. And I remember Sebastian, I remember Sebastian had some thoughts on it too and talked about how censorship, people in the US don't really fully understand censorship. We can ask him this when he comes on the show later in the, mm. later in the the season. But how people in the US don't really understand censorship. Censorship is something that is government sanctioned. An institu- a private institution deciding to pull something, they can do that if they want to. Mm. You know, it's it is it censorship, is it not? I mean, you can definitely have an argument for that. But in the case of the painting, you know, she was the 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 artist was like, I wanted to focus on Mamie Till's pain. Then like, why not paint Mamie Till? Why why paint Emmett in that way and then distort? I mean, we know his face was unrecognizable, but then you doing this as a painting and then putting it in these kind of like pastel colors and all this stuff, it just feels even more grotesque. Mm-hmm. There's do no. You, did you do you you remember that happening? Yeah. I I remember the backlash. I don't even think I saw the painting. I it's just ugly. remember the back. I would. I mean, there's no. I think. I don't think there's any proper way to revisit and digest traumatic events through art. I think people just do it. And it's a mm-hmm. question of one, are you even connected to the community affected by this? Mm-hmm. Um, but then also I think secondly, the people who you're discussing in your work, how, how does this affect them or how does this reflect them? Um, there's no, I think there's, there's no good way to produce art for the sake of profit or reputation on a lot of, of traumatic events outside of the personal. 
Like if yeah. something happens to you, there's an ownership in that. And then when you own someone else's pain, what does that really mean? Even if a black artist did it, it would still be a, it, it might've not gotten pulled, but it would have been controversial because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no, there's no good way to have the horrors of someone's life shoved in your face. Yeah. And I, you know, I think of, I think some of the intention, oh, um, I had like two thoughts that were like splitting through my head at the same time. I was like, oh, which one, which one? Um, I think the intention for some of those white artists, not who, not me defending white artists. I'm not, I'm not defending them at all. Devil's advocate for white artists? This is the second time I played devil's advocate this week. I did it in class uh, earlier this week when talking about, you know, whether some of the stuff old stuff like fluxus was doing was art or not um but (laughs) um i think their intention like they're making stuff for white people and they're trying to and i think they're definitely trying to make white people uncomfortable but it's like white people are not not black people exactly it's like (laughs) but the thing as an artist when you put your work out in the world you are not speaking in a tunnel only to one specific group everyone is seeing this and so you have to think about your own privilege and position and how the things that you're making how it is going to affect people everywhere right Mm -hmm. like she didn't i'm so sure she did not think about how the black community was going to respond to that pain or or if she did because this is the other part of it people like to do things con- that are caused spectacle controversy because it garners attention and notoriety whether being famous or infamous two sides of the same coin right some mm-hmm. people want like don't care which one they have like they're, they're perfectly fine with being infamous or you doesn't matter to them um in that same breath there was an incident i remember um, I was invited to do a talk some at some art space in Houston years ago mm-hmm. uh, with a couple of other artists. And it was like right after Trump was elected and it's kind of like everyone's kind of doing this um, like, what can we do? We feel so sad kind of thing, yeah. right? Woe um, is me. Woe is me, yeah. And one of the artists I remember, she showed at the time, just to go show you like this, this it just doesn't get old. Um <laughs> She showed the videotape, video footage from that pool party in which a young black girl was like pulled to the ground by a police officer in a very like violent manner. Um, and I think this happened somewhere in Texas. I can't remember. She, she showed the footage of she that incident? Showed, she showed the footage as a part of like her art. Pete, I don't know. I don't remember the context, but she showed it to us. Um and I remember, like, up until that point when I was sitting there and now watching this footage, um, I was I, imagine your face. I had I had intentionally avoided looking at that footage because I did yeah. not need to see black children being abused by the police. I was keeping up with the story, but I didn't need to see the actual video of of the officer putting like almost breaking this girl's arm, and she's like mm-hmm. in she's in her swimsuit, so it's like you know she's in a very vulnerable it's just it was it was i didn't need to see it i really didn't need to see it and i i guess you could make the argument that she knew her audience was going to be primarily a white audience and that they needed yeah. to look at this but 
I don't think white audiences are looking at black trauma the same way people no. are intent like they're that they're intending it them to, right? It's not it's not the same. <laughs> it's not the way. That's not how they're looking at it. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, that's terrible, but it's not. It's not moving them. They're just kind of internalizing. It's, oh, bad things happen to black people. It's the car crash on this on the side of the road that they crane the neck at. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. There's no. There's no way. Like, oh, could I help? Oof. My stop's coming up next. Um, there will be someone who changes that situation for the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it not won't me. be me. <laughs> Navi. Uh, I I see I I think of going back to the subject of documentaries. I always leave with a different feeling from a documentary than I do oh, like a yeah. motion picture. Like I feel I don't know, just and it, mind you, documentaries are not they are meant to persuade you, they're meant to inform you. Yeah. Um they're not necessarily out set out to entertain you. Um, although some of the more recent, like Netflix documentaries, definitely are yeah. <laughs> so you know, I think about what's her face, uh, the tender swindler that was came out in twenty twenty one. God, yeah. And well, then that those, I feel like you have you have documentaries in a traditional sense, and then you have these more like they're very specific moments of like flashy storytelling wrapped around uh here's a, a story you might have seen on the uh the side of the newspaper or something you mm. saw in an article and i i don't know if there's already a term for it or for when people take truth and blow it up to a scale where it's like sensationalized mm-hmm. but i feel like a documentary versus a shockumentary shockumentary oh that's that's a good that's a good term <laughs> that's definitely it's definitely what some of this stuff is it's definitely shockumentary um going back to the the mike tyson hulu oh, series good. did you finish it no i got i got a few episodes in um i do want to watch it in its entirety um I might even restart it, honestly, just so I can do it all mm-hmm. in one big go, because there's a lot. And there is a lot. What was the what was the last thing that you saw? Um because I made it midway through the third episode. Okay. Is it that's where he meets Robin Givens? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Like the earlier part of his life and career kind of what it 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 had shown. I know they, they kind of jump around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was right when he met him. I was surprised to learn that they let people box in prison. I don't know if let so much as like they need to get fights out the way. Because <laughs> it's better that than someone like shiving another person. Yeah. Um, at least it has a certain amount of sportsman tip to it. <laughs> If you can even really say say it that way, um, yeah. Him 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 having this amount of uh, experience through like the prison system boxing was it's interesting. Wa- it's wild. I mean, I also think about like the first episode and how gratuitous it was, and like 
you know, the moment he just kind of like snaps because before he's he's a relatively good kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he has trouble in school because he has a learning. He basically has a learning disability. And because it's the I guess the 70s or 80s, there aren't really a lot of resources for him, like to help him do mm. better in school, which, of course, then if you're not doing well in school, then you act out, you start skipping school all of all that whole snowball effect but like the scene where they're on the rooftop and like they pull they kill the pigeon and like there's like the the blood splatter and stuff and it's just like this is this is is a lot um but you know that was the moment he like snaps and he's like becomes a fighter um which i'm like this is they they made him an origin story yes (laughs) rather than just show his (laughs) Yes, they def they definitely made him an origin story. Um, when you get further into it, they have when he was on trial for sexual assault, oh, and yeah, yeah. that episode is told through. That's the only episode that's told from the perspective of the girl who was on who who stood up to him on trial, mm-hmm. um, and that I think was really wild to see how it's wild but it's not surprising how everyone was of course siding with mike tyson even though he did he he assaulted her mm-hmm. um the way and the way they went about showing because the show has a lot of sex in it and i was really worried that they were going to show like a graphic oh the actual yeah but they didn't the way they talked the way they got around it was they had like um the girl she was on stand recounting what happened but as she's on the stand, they go back to the room where it happened, but she's standing there watching it and we're not seeing it. Like we're just looking at her watching the thing happen to her. Um, and so she's describing it, but we're we're not seeing it, which honestly I think that was a better way to ha- a better way to handle something like that. Mm-hmm. Um because you know, we don't really need we don't need to see that's another thing. We don't need to see these really graphic It's always scenes. violence in some unnecessary form. Yeah, because I also I often wonder about actors who have to do those scenes, too. Like, how do you feel after doing that or before doing that? In today's sort of like, I think any any good, well-intentioned set, studio director, whatever, whoever is handling, a producer, whoever is handling the, uh, the day-to-day for a series or, or film, there mm-hmm. are um, sex coordinators like for the same way you'd have someone there for safety for stunts mm-hmm. a sex scene is essentially a stunt and so in those moments getting them to a point where it's like hey here's how we do this safely so both of you are okay um that's ideally what should be happening because there, there are more people who do that these days and have those people brought in so that you, you have these dramatic scenes that are accomplishing what they want without giving people trauma because you're it's if you're doing your job well it it's probably gonna make you feel like you're not safe yeah that's that's what that's what i would think because i know that there are scenes from movies like in the past where that kind of protection was not there and the actor Mm -mm. didn't know what was about to happen to them um so that's why i was wondering because i was like i i'm very curious how how that's handled but that's i think that's good to know that they have coordinators for that they exist well, they, they, they exist. get brought on is the 
Yes, exactly. Right. Like, do we really need, do we have the budget to bring this person on to do this? Right. Um, But (laughs) I also worry about that in the case of like films where there's a lot of, I think not just like the sexual trauma, but I think when people are also just being mistreated in general Mm -hmm. and there's no space for the actors to, decompress from that or they're forced to to stay in those uh those moments for longer periods of time like i i wonder if that actress had to i don't know what she was having to if she was having to look at anything if not just cameras but Mm -hmm. still i think playing those sorts of characters real and real people too yeah it's it's really difficult and like that poor girl. I rem- I remember she was like it. it she w- they were in, it was like a Miss America or Miss mm. USA pageant. Like she was a contestant, and they brought Mike Tyson. Why they brought Mike Tyson around all them girls? I don't even know in the first place. Like why are you even here? I don't think he was gonna be a judge or anything either. Like he was just there. Like someone just brought him to like their rehearsal, and then he gave. Then he was like trying to talk to all the girls. And some of the girls turned on her and were saying like, oh, well, you know, he was trying to talk to everybody. And I guess she just didn't have the sense to know that he was up to no good and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's not, I mean, that's not the, I mean, she has a right to not go somewhere and be, expect to be, and be assaulted. Like, that's not mm-hmm. how that works. But yeah, you, you're you in for it. The the, the rest of the, the, the series. I will say though, Welcome to Chippendales was interesting. Um, I, like I think I told you maybe last episode, I didn't know that Chippendales was founded by this man from India, mm. uh, Soman Banerjee. And it's named after some American uh, cabinet maker because he thought it was like a classy name. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because at first, and like at first he wanted to start a backgammon club. And nobody would come and like play backgammon in the club because he would just like go to work, sleep in his apartment, go to work, sleep in his apartment. And then he made all he like made all this money. And then he's like, OK, now I'm going to open my own backgammon club. But it's like people weren't really playing back. It was very like it felt very He felt very wholesome in the beginning. Like he just really yeah. just was trying to make it. But then like as the money starts pouring in, he just got ahead of himself i was like steve please (laughs) my goodness my goodness but yeah (laughs) there's there's definitely like been a resurgence in in wanting to tell biopics that are i think more so focused on celebrity lives versus historical figures um I don't know. I think I prefer the historical figures. Maybe me more. too. There, there's more opportunity to, like, shout out to the great debaters. Oh wow! Shout, oh, throwback. Shout, shout out to uh, Mississippi burning. Oh God! Oh my God! Shout out to uh, um, shoot, shoot, shoot. Okay, this one's not about black people, but milk. Oh, uh, about milk. Harry Hart was his name Harvey or Harry? Harvey. I think it was Harvey. I think it was yeah. Harvey. Um, I hope I'm not confusing that because of Batman. Uh, 
that lawyer, Harvey Dent. I'm pretty sure. No, it's Harvey, it's Harvey Milk. Okay, Harvey okay, Milk. yeah. Milk. There's a lot of there's a there's a lot of good biopics about real people that are good, like quick crash courses in some of the stuff they did mm-hmm. and the things that they changed. Um, I always enjoyed the Great Debaters, though. Um, I can't remember if I've watched it all the way through. I do remember this one particular scene where they're traveling on the back roads oh, and they just yeah. so happened <laughs> to come across a clan meeting. And it was just like, oh my gosh. Duck, the, ducking the, down. The, like reverse, reverse, reverse. <laughs> they were in the car. I was like, oh my God. I was like, please let them make it out of this alive. Shout out to Journey Smollett because she always in some kind of historical drama fiction plan you know she's in that that is her main mode opera mode of operation you you stick her in the 60s she gonna act yes (laughs) (laughs) she was in selma right wasn't she or no she was in the first selma not the one that ava duvernay made she was in another she was it was like it had a different title it was like selma my selma or something like that she was in that one Great debaters. Um, there's another historical drama she was in too. I'm gonna count Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft, and then I'm gonna count Underground because she was in that too. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, which that, of course, because it's completely fictionalized. That was also another M- Misha Green uh, uh, show. Mm. I I used to watch that show like religiously because it was so there was something very entertaining about it and it was very it felt different from the traditional like here's a story about slavery yeah um it felt really different and i think it was because it, it was also kind of like a soap opera about slavery which like how do you do that um because there and you know there I, did you ever watch it no i didn't i oh my I, god there's two seasons just, of it i have a sort of mild touchiness about slavery mm-hmm. in films. Mm-hmm. I think the last slavery-centered movie that I watched was um, uh, Amistad. Oh, see, that's another one we forgot. Which, it's that movie is... <sighs> pretty sure it had a white director. Wasn't it... Wasn't, uh... I could be wrong, I'm just saying it. Wasn't it Spielberg? I hope not. <laughs> Maybe it oh was God not. Let it was see. so. It was. It was. So it was Spielberg. God and, but it. see, he also <laughs> was used to, uh, like, when I think about the Indiana Jones movies mm-hmm. and all the other movies he's done that involve Nazis. Mm-hmm. There's a line he wouldn't cross to some degree, or like the maintaining the, the sort of respect a character had for themselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like. He had that movie casted fairly well, and I feel like the characters in, in that film had so much that they were able to do on screen so that we never get detached from them um, in terms of, like, they're not just someone who is, they're not an object of suffering. They're, right. they're people going through this through this harrowing journey trying to to get control of their lives but that's the last movie i made myself watch did you ever watch did you ever watch 12 years oh no 
No, yeah. I, I found I 12 reasons not to. Stop. Listen, Brad Pitt can produce all the slavery. Wait, he produced movies. that? Pretty sure he did. Pretty positive he was one of the executive producers in that film. Will Smith has a movie or show coming out. A movie on. Yes. What's it called? Yes. It's supposed to be about um, the man who has. The man, the man who was in the iconic photograph that shows his back and it's all the um, the whip scars and bruises. It's supposed to be about him. They were saying that there are some historical inaccuracies in in the sense of like his age and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also coming out. There, I think his name was. I feel like his name was Gregory. Was it Gregory? I don't know. Uh, what uh, when you mentioned Amistad, it made me wonder if they had made a movie about the Zong massacre. Oh, but, I don't. But know. they didn't. It does come up in Bell. Do you remember the movie Bell with Gugu Mbatha-Ra? I don't know if I do. She who who produced Bell? It's either it's either like it's the same woman who did. All of not all of the lights. What is that? What is beyond the lights? Behind the lights. Beyond the mm. lights? And Google Mabathra was in that too. Um Belle was a movie, it's set in the UK. Her mm. father is a white British officer. Her mother is a black woman who I guess works as like a servant. Her mother dies, and her father comes and gets her and takes her to live with him. Which was like, I guess, kind of unheard of at the time. So she grows up, she's this black woman who grows up very wealthy. Um, And so it's about her life and like how, you know, they're trying, there's not really this expectation of her to marry because she's black and that Mm. people are like, oh, we don't, like there's even a scene in the movie where like one of the guys who had come from the West Indies was like, you know, she's something you sample on the sugarcane plantation in the West Indies. You don't actually marry women who look like that and it's like excuse you but oh ama ama asante is directed bell um i don't know i was thinking it was gina prince by the way but it's not it's ama asante (laughs) um ama asante directed it The, the zong massacre comes up in bell um and those of you who are not familiar with the zong massacre it was this there was a court case in Great Britain. It was the massacre or mass killing of more than 130 African enslaved people by the crew of the British slaver ship Zong on and in the days following November 29th, 1781. Basically what happened is that they didn't I think they didn't have enough supplies and so mm-hmm. instead of you know refilling stopping at the different ports to get the supplies they started to run out and let's see, according to the crew, when the ship ran low on drinking water following navigational mistakes, the crew threw enslaved Africans overboard and then tried to claim the insurance on, on them. Um, so they were just like tossing living people overboard just because they made the calculated error of not having enough drinking water to provide to everybody. That, you know, I would, I don't want to see a movie about that. I would like to see a documentary. Yeah. But it does, the court case comes up in Bell. 
it becomes one of the because she falls in love with some white man who's like an abolitionist of course it had to be an abolitionist <laughs> um, one of the good ones yeah <laughs> <laughs> my god <laughs> um but i forgot what we were talking about earlier as i was trying to find out you say still built the amistad amistad spielberg and then um uh you meant you brought up 12 years of slave that's a brad pitt uh produced that with steve mcqueen steve mcqueen also um does steve mcqueen do the butler or is that um i I think so i could be wrong but I, i think so no, it's Lee Daniels. Is it Lee Daniels? Lee Daniels. Is so there there are certain movies <laughs> there there are certain movies that serve as like biopics. I think even within the historical sense where it's like mm-hmm. not that one, that one. Not that one. <laughs> that one. The butler is based on on a real person. He was he was the butler for I think like six I don't know how many sitting presidents. I think maybe five. Five, yeah. Which I'm like, the president has a butler? I don't know about that anymore. I don't know how the optics on that look. I think it would look kind of crazy. Yep. Honestly. I think they uh, they stopped that when Obama got out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ah, you ruined it. He ruined it. It's not fun oh anymore. Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. B Rock. I I never watched that show about the the first wives. Um that bio series where it was like these different actresses playing the first wives of the different presidents. Oh had- my god. <laughs> <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> I did not get to see Viola Davis's like earth-shattering performance uh, that i'm pretty sure they stopped that show because they were because she was mad she was like why do they have viola davis playing me like i'm a, a scandal character because <laughs> it was here. on hulu it was on what it was on showtime or was it on like hulu i, don't I have remember. no whatever channel had the audacity to, <laughs> to <laughs> Make something about the Obamas that they didn't get a chance to to approve. Oh my god! You know, because like her on How to Get Away with Murder, I'm in the last season of How to Get Away with Murder. Wild love, I love this messy, <laughs> messy show. The right there's the writing stuff. Anytime like the writers or the producers have her do something crazy in the show, I'd be like Shonda. Shonda, why? Why would you do that? Like, girl. It's always her, too. <laughs> like, they really give her the wildest things to do on camera. Mm-hmm. And those kids, I was like, they're so ungrateful. Oh, my gosh. Y'all are so ungrateful. Just, mm-hmm. I miss Wesley. Um, but I'm not finished yet. I hear that rumor he might come back at the end. Who knows? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but... Uh, you mentioned the 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 first wives thing yeah i mean there's there's an interesting trend happening like there's always like storytelling is as old as human existence and like for now hollywood like it's always like let's tell stories about people we know 
people mm. we admire, people we hate, et cetera, et cetera. People who have been overlooked. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, it's, I think all of it kind of further feeds into this, like, I don't know, like this kind of celebrity culture and like people perhaps, oh, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it. It's okay. <laughs> um there's there I've I've heard people say that like the worship of celebrity in the US borders on on fascism um mm. and that these biopics in some ways not we're not talking about the black ones though um or never mind the, I'm just, the, the biopic structure yeah that know. they could that the the fact that they even exist in the way that they do as these kind of um dramas or you know entertain things for entertainment may feed into that i don't know how i feel about that i'm not 100 percent sure if that is a fair statement um it's an interesting idea to explore though i I definitely agree that there is a certain amount of the celebrity has reached a point in our society that it probably should not have Mm -hmm. like you even see it for it, it's and I think when you look at Hollywood as a structure, or even just honestly, just professional filmmakers and all and all of that that environment for that industry, it was that we had directors were the face mm. for a long time, and then it shifted more so into the star, and now it's. I, I would say there was a point from like the 80s into the 2000s that shifted towards like the star is it. And now we're at a weird place where the only way you have celebrities that matter is through some of these really dramatic biopics and like mm-hmm. you have stories about them or there's something they have to do something crazy because mm-hmm. i think celebrities at least in like film and and media uh, like tv and, and whatnot it feels like they end up having to be like like the superheroes and they have to be something else they can't really be themselves unless they are something newsworthy mm. like oh no uh Trying to think of who I, I don't want to be too. Uh, I don't want to pick a crazy one. <laughs> like, okay, Kevin Spacey. Mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey did some very not good things. Uh, all the all of the pedophilia stuff that came out about him. Um, and I can you think of anyone who thinks of him outside of that really now? As far as like, I don't know if anyone thinks of him as an actor. Mm-mm. And he was he was booming. He was doing House of Cards. All House of Cards. And people loved that show. And it even it... American Beauty. Mm-hmm. He had all these. He had all these really great films and roles. Uh, uh, the, what was it? Uh, the Sixth Man. It was no, not the Sixth Man. There was. What am I thinking of? It was a crime movie. Even he's. My point really is he has his career and now he has done this thing and don't tell me there won't be a biopic at some point or some sort of Uh, like, right? People get optioned and if they're, 
if their legacy is shattered or maybe if their legacy is tarnished by some of their decisions or maybe there's a certain infamy like even mike tyson like what Mm -hmm. what has he been doing he's been chilling maybe getting himself right he He has a cartoon the cartoon i've seen that show it's actually pretty funny but uh (laughs) isn't there a duck on the show there's a um there's a ghost a victorian ghost and a pigeon oh it's a um, pigeon and a small oh my god a pigeon girl that he adopted a pigeon like the pigeon that they killed when he was little well, he he took care of the pigeons later on in life. Yeah, he did too. But it was it was a pigeon, and the pigeon I think might be a man that was turned into. The show is crazy. It's an Adult Swim show. Okay. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. just the Scooby Doo formula, and they go around solving mysteries. Um, but look, but like look at him. He's got all these these things. But for anyone who doesn't know who has the boxer in like the true sense of his career you have this biopic series to look at and now have part of his legacy sort of like for better or worse re-enter it's like this touch yeah. point that you can re-engage with them because how many movies about us a, a star a celebrity do you know where like there is no problem Mm-hmm. There's always something yeah. bad in their life. The boring celebrity doesn't get the biopic. The no. boring public figure does not get it. It has there has to be trauma, obstacles, something heinous or something overwhelmingly like inspiring. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good point. No one who is just like a nice person gets a biopic. Mm-hmm. Unless you, they get a documentary, nice they people get a documentary. Get, nice people get documentaries, right? Because there's something about you know maybe they've had some kind of contribution to society or something mm-hmm. in that regard. They get a documentary, but no one's gonna watch a movie about a person who was really nice. No, the even like they made that movie about uh, uh, Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. Like the what was marketed as a biopic, he is not the focus of that film. How the, the, dare they? The journal. It's a good movie, but it the marketing was misleading. It was mm. about the journalist who was changed by meeting Mister Rogers. I don't want to know about no journalist. I want to know about Mister Rogers when he was in the. Wasn't he like a Navy SEAL, a sniper? Come on well, now. You're gonna have to watch the documentary that came out the same year about him but was less i think less uh popular at the time see want to people... see tom uh tom hanks. hanks yeah do his uh his little lazy mr rogers impression which is just him talking softly then he stop making that man play real people let him be a little toy cowboy and do you remember that movie where he was in the he was lost in the airport and he was playing some like character from that sounds familiar like a slavic country i think that sounds familiar what he he lives in an airport for like ages because his country that he came from i don't know if the passport is valid because the country just got t- taken over 
um, where there's a war. And so he can't go home, but he can't leave the airport because he's a citizen of nowhere at that point. That's such a wild concept to me. He can't, and he can't speak English the whole oh, movie. No. So he's just, he like games the system to try and stay in the airport for like a long, long time. That's I think that really bad. happened to somebody. I'm sure that sounds like some shit that would really happen to someone, to be honest. Because, I mean, you think about when we were talking, um, was that second season or first season? I think second season. We watched the movie oh, Stateless. 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 Yeah. You know, how people, like, you're a citizen of nowhere. Like, you're just, all of that gets revoked. It's a very real thing. Um, but, yeah, you br- you bring up some good points. I, I definitely, you know, nice people don't get to have documentaries um, or don't get to have these like really dramatic pictures. Um, Something that I I, I forgot to mention earlier was thinking Mm. about Aretha Franklin's dueling biopics um, and that Aretha Franklin coast like wanted Jennifer Hudson to play her in her biopic. But, and she did in one version. And then in another version, Cynthia Erivo was tapped in to do it and that was like the unauthorized biopic um and i always think you know this fact that there are some that are authorized some that are unauthorized and like people have varying feelings around around that in the sense that something that's unauthorized you know you would think okay the celebrity doesn't have a hand in its making and so maybe it's not as authentic but i also think some people think that oh it's the stuff the celebrity doesn't want us to know about them like it's probably yeah, yeah. more of the truth than the authorized one um and so it was i, I didn't see we i think we haven't seen i feel like we've been saying this whole episode i didn't see it but (laughs) (laughs) so many of them are like they're structured in such a way where it's like get ready it's gonna make you sad exactly yeah um and why would i as a black american choose the path of more more difficult uh emotions and trauma to place upon myself there's so much of it in everyday life. Like we don't really need to see more in a escape. Like people watch movies and TVs to escape from reality. And sometimes in that escape, you get these situations solutions for how to deal with reality. But other times it's just like re-traumatizing people sometimes as well. And you know, to the, to your point earlier about that question of like, is the biopic, possibly leaning into this idea of celebrity in a more like fascist sense Mm -hmm. i feel like when even if they themselves even if like the actual existence of them does not boost a fascist mindset i think there is a certain amount of danger in feeding the machine that produces these films and empowering them or you know polluting your own sort of uh mine with a lot of these stories because i think when you see a biopic and you see and you know you're like oh, i don't really like it or like oh, i don't know it was a story and it's not learned but enjoyed that's the focus on history mm-hmm. and you stop learning things mm-hmm. the other other uh applications you're so lenient in how you intake stuff or what you what you uh, intake some things can be enjoyed but it's good to like okay well 
what what really is a story go fact check things go look mm-hmm. into it after um because there's there's so many opportunities to be poked and prodded and pushed and so that you are you are coaxed in this position of feeling fine knowing the limited amount you learn from a movie mm-hmm. when you could pick up like their biography the book right. look into articles deep dives even if it's not the documentary there's i think there's opportunities to learn from the historians that exist out there and i can't think of anything more fascist than a limited pipeline of education on people who have impacted the present so greatly yeah that's a really good point it it made me realize it made me um think about i had a student in class once because we talk about documentaries in my video art class like as a mode of like art making um and i had a student i remember her saying that she intentionally didn't watch documentaries because she didn't want to have to go back and fact check do the extra work of fact checking. <laughs> and you know, uh, <laughs> shout out you... to Jamie's student for the one time. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember her saying that. And she was like, I just don't like sometimes it makes me tired. Like, I don't know if she said it makes her tired, but like the extra layer of work that comes with that, right? And that you know, people know that a documentary is supposed to be true. We're expecting truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, we have to, but there's also this due diligence of having to go and learn more too, right? Because it's also meant to inform you. And in, in being informed, you also have to do the extra work of kind of getting perspectives and trying to form your opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a film or a movie, you know, you just take that in as entertainment, right? And like I said earlier, people treat that kind of entertainment sometimes as like, truth or um education in place of actually like maybe going to listen to dr king's speeches right like we were talking about selma and how and pretty much i would say a lot of the movies that we've seen about him um any kind of motion picture that has martin luther king in it it's always about the peace the passiveness and that of course has a lot to do with how in the united states how we market his image as, as a country, as this kind of passive, peaceful person. But if you look at, um, there was there was a documentary, I think, I had to watch for Dr. Connors' class, God mm-hmm. Rest His Soul, um, that it was, a, it was about Malcolm X. And in, in it, it was like a situation where people were protesting and this woman laid down on the ground. And the, the, the people were going to run over her. And he he pulled her aside. He was like, "What are you doing?" And she was like, "He she was like, your life." He was like, "Your life is too precious, and they do not value your life. Do not put your life on the line like that, right?" But the message we get from Doctor, like from this um, iconography of Doctor King that is set out in media, is this like passive and love mm. wins, like. That kind of non- shout out to uh my friend Martin. No, the movie, <laughs> the movie, the animated film where Martin Luther King Jr. disappears and the world is so obscenely racist without him, <laughs> and he comes back in a sequence. Spoiler alert: If you don't know what happened to Martin Luther King Jr., 
he was assassinated. And the ending of that film, he he is because he's brought to the future by a black boy. And he's like, you were going to show me all this cool stuff. Where is it? And it's because he's not in the past. And so he has to go back to his childhood home. And he walks through the door and we see him turn to a grown man and it ends with a gunshot sound. What? Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> and they were like, it's like Jesus, he died for our sins. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wasn't there a little girl? <laughs> there was a little girl, the video of a little girl on Twitter for MLK Day. They were like, oh, today's MLK Day. Do you, what, do you know who Martin Luther King is? She was like, yes. And she's like, what did he do? He died for us. <laughs> she said he died for us. Oh my god! This is why we need to. We need to. There needs to be oh, something else. Not just, we can't be biopics and cartoons. You need a little something else. You we gotta read some books, y'all. I know. I know. There's like this whole like movement against intellectualism. You gotta read some books. Read some books. Listen. Listen to some of the speeches. The speeches. Shout out to whoever is uploading historical things on um, mm. on YouTube. You know, listen to some of the speeches. Shout out um, to archive.org. Love archive.org. Most like I'm looking through there now for stuff for a video piece I need to make. Like shout out to them for sure. Because um, you can't be for you can't be against intellectualism and for stupidity. You you gotta <laughs> you, you gotta be at least neutral. Cause <laughs> I'm tired of seeing the youth out mm-hmm. there not knowing like basic things like i can't i don't know i'm not neither of us are that old Mm -hmm. i'm not like we're not grandparents being like remember this what do you mean you don't you don't know you know uh, i i didn't mean to cut you off go ahead no i'm just i'm trying to think of something that's like doesn't sound ridiculous but i've definitely seen kids who were like 13 not know what like the holocaust is that's see that's 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 wild but there's a bunch of people online who say it doesn't exist see this is this is when this is when parenting should also come in books books we need books books. but at the same time we got all the critical um uh hot hot button issue right the whole critical race thing where like books that would normally have been in schools like when Uh uh, we were in in public education are no longer being allowed in certain states right and so where do you where do you go you gotta tell your mommy to order it for you on amazon yep or not amazon better world books or another libraries too but even they're pulling it out of the public libraries as well because that's what i mean like there's no there's no real safe safe haven for uh for some people so i I can see why they would look at movies as like Mm -hmm. just put this in just watch yeah yeah um something you said dang it like it like um i lost my train of thought it was something you said immediately made me think of something else um when you were talking about the, the lack of 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 knowing for for, for certain generations. Yes. Or... Okay. Yes. The knowing. So, like for instance, I I did a lecture, like a mini lecture on visual culture and photography, 
and looking at images, what are they telling us? What does it mm-hmm. say about American life? The students, they kind of got it. They, they were on the same. Some of, they were look, they were nodding. I brought up the whole like I brought up an image of George Santos, like a headline. Those you know, y'all know who I hope if you listen to this podcast, I hope you know who George Santos is. <laughs> um, or Anthony Delvedi, whatever Delvi. <laughs> it might as well be Anna Delvi at this point. At this point. Um, my students had no idea what was going on with with uh, with George Santos. Never heard of him. They're not even like they're not. You know, I had them go around the room and write down a list of the images they see every day mm. and what kind of images they are and what are they telling them. And a lot of the images are, you know, it's consumerism, like buy this, wear that, um, you know, here's some mental health stuff, like mental health quotes and things like that. They're not actually getting any news from social media. Um, they're not getting, you know, any, it's a, of course, as we all know this for everyone, your social media is a bubble that you kind of have to really work, work out yourself. How much and like curate yourself to get, absolutely to get more of a world perspective of what's happening. Um, and so they, they did not, I told them the whole George Santos things. They were looking at me like in shock. I was like, he was elected <laughs> to the House of Res- Representatives and lied about his entire resume. And they're just looking at me like, what? And I was like, yes, where have you been? <laughs> Don't you know this? You know, but like, again, like people live in these like these little bubbles of social media also kind of creates that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but gosh. I, I think, you know, I don't I don't think they should not make biopics. I just think that we have to be really careful about how we consume them. We need and media literacy to be yes. more, <laughs> more <laughs> uh, uh, in enforced yes. into the public uh, public domain. I, I don't know how you would how you would phrase it if, if it's a part of our education because it's it's essential and like the thing is that the media literacy for i think the generation behind us like they're just kind of it's see it feels intuitive right like they just kind of pick up on what these images and things mean without fully thinking about it Hmm. um and it's but there is there is but it's like okay we need to slow down because our brains automatically make those quick associations we need to slow down and think about why is why does this mean this? You know, like to ask questions of the images that we're seeing. Why do we see them? But I, I mean, eh, there's only so much we can do. As as you and I are both educators, there's only so much yeah, the- <laughs> we can you know, try to get our students to think for themselves as much as possible. That is the gist of of, of a liberal arts education thinking for yourself, asking questions about the things that you're seeing in this world. Who benefits? Who doesn't? What are the power structures involved? Like, all of that is, like, core stuff. Um, But, yeah, media literacy is essential, I think, with these biopics. I also think that race plays a really big part in how, you know, of course, they're always, you know, for Black people, it's often, it's often, like, I don't know, these kind of, I don't, I'm trying to think. And I was like, I, I thought about Alex Haley's roots being yeah. 
particularly maybe consider like a biopic um, because this is his family line. Like that he's having to fill in the family history um, and how that came about. And that's, I don't know. I think that was a really interesting way because we get to see an entire family come out of slavery and like, you know, do better for themselves mm. versus, you know, something like, I don't know. I've never seen 12 years to slave. I can't bring that up or something, but you know, something else where they don't get that immediate kind of progressing of generations to see how mm. it all falls together or how, you know, a limited a limited scope or a very specific uh, interpretation of, of yeah. that life. You're just putting a microscope on a very small section of history, and without sometimes without the context of what other things have happened in 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 the past to inform it. Context is key. Mm-hmm. To all of it. Otherwise, it just becomes, like you were saying earlier, it just becomes a spectacle. Yeah. In a lot of different ways. Do you have any favorite biopics? Um, I think even though it has its own issues, I, I do have a soft spot for The Pursuit of Happiness. That's the one with Will Smith and and Jaden, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think it's because of that the fact that it is like he is being he is playing this real person who who makes an appearance in the movie at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the fact that like you know he had this experience while also being a, a, essentially a single father, mm-hmm. um, and seeing him do that with his son, I think brings a certain like authenticity to how they are communicating with each other on screen. And I think there's a certain amount of sweetness in, in seeing him succeed there. But it's also the double-edged sort of like, man, I wish America had different systems and lines so that yeah. you wouldn't have had to experience that yeah. degree of like homelessness and other things happening while he was... Uh, trying to succeed for for him and his family but i think i think between between that and um there what was the other film i was thinking of uh shoot um it's gone from my mind I'll I'll stick with that answer. I feel I feel like there's, I the only other one I could think of that I would say is maybe Mississippi Burning, just because it was one of the um, first ones that really sat with me, and I didn't feel like I was lied to hmm. about anything in the movie. Um, afterwards, is- as well. Is a time to kill based on a true story? Oh, that's a good question. I let me see. You mentioned because you mentioned Mississippi Burning, it made me think of that that one. I haven't seen Mississippi Burning since I was a child, and I remember watching it and being scared. Um, I haven't watched it as an adult. Um, I just, but I re- it's not I, a true story. Okay, a time to kill is not a true story. 
Um, Mississippi burning though, I I've, I have very vivid images of when they set the church on fire and all the black yes. people ran out and then they were there like beating them up. Like I remember like that, that movie made me scared of the entire state of Mississippi. Like it, oh, it really did. Rightfully so. Uh, but you know, I, which is interesting. Cause I don't know about if you in Pennsylvania, but in Texas, we get a lot of Mississippi tourism ads on tell on local television. <laughs> we do, it's especially like it was during October. They were all like, "Oh, come see the ghosts of Mississippi," uh, like haunted, like ha- like they're trying to do like that New Orleans haunted thing. Oh. But it's like, baby, y'all got different kind of ghosts. I don't and know if I like that. I, I exactly. Then the other ads are like about the food. Um, and the beaches, which they do have really nice beaches, I will say that. When I went, to, I was in Biloxi for like a second. Mm-hmm. The beach was the beach was beautiful. It was Shout really out to Biloxi good. for the one time. <laughs> for the one time. So, I as for the rest of the state, I cannot speak to what it's what what it's like. I don't know, but I will say that that movie definitely colored the way I saw. The state of yeah. Mississippi, um, it, it it yeah, it, I was I was probably like eight or nine when I saw it. It it's it pretty me. young to see that movie. Yes, <laughs> it was playing over. It was play, it was a Saturday movie matinee on TV. It was playing oh, on regular dude. TV, and I'm sure maybe they probably edited some stuff out for time, but that's possible. Yeah, still they set that church on fire and everybody was running out, and then they just they're beating people. I was like, oh no. It's like this is terrible. This is horrible because it was just it was just uh. It's like and then I remember because I remember Eddie Winslow is in it, isn't he? I'm pretty sure he is. If I if I remember correctly, the cast I think it's Eddie Winslow and um. Shoot, I gotta read. I have to watch it as an adult because you should. You should. It is. I think it's one of those movies that holds up pretty well as far as the value it has it's uh, from 1988 because i remember Cat. um uh what, what's his name um willem dafoe is in that movie as well is he oh he's an agent i see okay he's one of the agents he's one of the, the snick people that gets called in um, mm. did you know you, snick snick had like a, a public like a theater like a drama part of their, really? um, yeah, I, I saw it on, what was it, Interstellar Isabella. Um, she was talking about it in one of her, her videos. I was like, that's cool. They had an arts arts um, seg- segment of SNCC. See, we, even us talking about SNCC, I feel like watching that movie, even for learning what SNCC is mm-hmm. and what it did was useful. Because there's yeah. just certain things you don't get to learn actively no. <laughs> unless you seek I mean, them out. And, the, and you know, like the civil rights movement in U.S. textbooks mm-hmm. is basically just the March on Washington, Dr. King, and I think that's it. And the I Had a Dream speech. That's all. Oh, that's- don't, don't forget, we didn't get off the bus. Oh, and Ro- that's it. Yeah, and Rosa. That's literally it. It's just like one day 
she decided to sit there and that began everything. But it's, again, like we said, there was, <laughs> there's so much more to it than that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I will have to relook. It's on Amazon prime. So I'm, I probably will watch it. Um, not tonight though. I got to mm-hmm. prepare myself to watch that. Hell no, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't think I have any favorite biopics, but there's some that I want to see. I like I've never watched the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, even though it's a fictional. Mm. It's it's like a fictional account. Um, I still want to see it because my mom. I'm, I think my mom mentioned it once, and she was like, "You've never seen it." I was like, "No, you never showed it to me." I parents be doing that like what you they mean? do who's responsible for what i watched you <laughs> like i'm just supposed to know to watch it which i guess you know maybe is the case for the younger generation too like they're just supposed to know these things no one's telling them we gotta curate well i i will say i think with all the uh the youth being into like letterboxd and those services mm. i want to see more people they, people keep going after these, like, hard-to-find European films. You better sit down and watch Mississippi Burning right now. <laughs> give, 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 you got homework now. Yeah. That is the homework for everyone listening to these, this episode, is to go and watch Mississippi Burning. And then comment on our Instagram and let us know what you thought of the movie. Waiting for you. It doesn't even matter when you listen to this. <laughs> exactly right. Like we'll be there, and you know, just just let us know. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Do you have any final thoughts on biopics? Um, less of them, <laughs> of them, please. Uh, I would like more documentaries, less biopics. Personal, personal take. Um, maybe a hot take. I think it's cold. Mm. But I don't think it's a hot take either. I I would like to see more documentaries, um, as well versus biopics, because they do seem to only be interested in like the the people telling the stories are interested in the drama, and maybe a little bit of truth sprinkled in there. But the way that we're consuming them, I think, as a society is like they're meant to be educational and the truth. Um, Again, I bring up um, my I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I had a student in a a previous class who told me that Selma by Ava DuVernay was a documentary. And I told her it was not. Um, But she was coming from the perspective of like because they use archival footage in the movie that's what she was that's what i haven't seen it so you've seen it you tell me is there archival footage in the movie not to say that it's a documentary but that Maybe was, where, may, that was where she was coming that was where she was coming from they use archival footage in plenty they use archival footage in exactly uh, yeah in forrest gump uh exactly yeah yeah so there there's i mean to some of our listeners, this may not seem like you, you know, depending on your age, you maybe have the intelligence to watch something and know grain of salt. Yeah. But some of these other younger generations, 
They are watching this thing. They're not being taught to decode these things. Um, They're expecting truth in them and also education. And that's not, (laughs) that's not always the case. So tread lightly in what you watch. Ask questions Mm -hmm. about the things you're viewing. You know, ask where are the black people? Where are the brown people in them as well? too because how do you tell elvis's story without acknowledging that he was a thief basically right which they they tried to allude that he might have he was inspired by black culture i think in the in the his to even first. just allude you better you better have a scene in that movie with big mama florida calling him up on the phone being like boy if i see you brown <laughs> i'm almost i'm gonna Grab you by the collar. <laughs> Something. Alright. Oh, one one recommendation for a documentary before we do wrap up. Um, because it came, it finally it got a home on a streaming service. Go watch Mr. Soul. Mr. Soul. Um, it's a documentary about the um public uh access show soul that came on in the i believe the 70s the mid to late 70s um around the same time as soul train was on Mm. and soul was such a beautiful uh show television program uh that showcased black art dance poetry a lot of musical acts had their first uh sort of tv appearances um on soul like uh glass night and the pips i think um the last poets were on soul quite often um beautiful documentary made by believe one of the family members of the show's creator if you're looking for a positive informative documentary this february (laughs) not this february For Black History Month, yes. Watch Mr. Soul. What streaming service is it on again? I want to say it might have been HBO Max, but even even if it's not, I would say I I think HBO Max has quite a few documentaries that are uh, definitely fit for Black History Month. But Mr. Soul, with an exclamation point at the end. Shout out to Mr. Soul for the for the third time. Um, but this has been where I see me. <laughs> I have been Marcellus. And I'm Jamie. And I forgot to shout out Playdate. <laughs> Our wonderful friends who <laughs> supply our outro song. Why don't we talk about it? The music is on all streaming services. Shout out to them. Um, stay nerdy. And stay black. Sensational. <laughs>